Mark Zuckerberg goes on Joe Rogan and talks about Hunter Biden's laptop. A children's hospital gives hysterectomies to girls younger than 16. And a preschool teacher plots on how to indoctrinate your children. We have all that and more today on The Conservatory. Alrighty, guys, before we get into today's episode, make sure to check out and follow our Twitter at ConservatoryPod. That's ConservatoryPod on Twitter. There we post new show releases, updates, and announcements, as well as clips, articles, and documents we talk about in each and every episode. So make sure to check it out so you can see the left's insanity for yourselves and so you don't miss an episode. Thanks, guys. Let's get into today's show. So as I'm sure you're well aware, Joe Rogan's podcast is, is really popular, which means from time to time, or really every time, he's fortunate enough to have a high-profile guest come on his show and they talk for several hours. And so recently he had Mark Zuckerberg on. Of course, Mark Zuckerberg is the CEO and founder of Facebook. And in, in this interview, Joe Rogan asks him a question about how they handle controversial information and uh, material. And his response is, is pretty telling. So let's listen in. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New York Post. Yeah, we Post. had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issues. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. So the first thing that stood out to me in this clip is that Mark Zuckerberg dodges the question here. When Joe asks if they censor information, particularly that which they deem sensitive or controversial, he gives kind of a political, a political answer. 
meaning he circumvents the concrete answer and offers a roundabout solution or answer so that he doesn't have to answer the question directly. And after dodging how they deal with misinformation, he says Facebook receives a report, uh, fact checks it, and then if they deem it to be uh, false, they limit the distribution. And uh, that the FBI, in this case, gave them a generic heads up, not specifically naming the Hunter Biden story. So he is right. Twitter is is far worse, or at least in this case, is worse than Facebook at censoring uh, the information, particularly the Hunter Biden story. But the whole time I was watching this video, and I've watched it several times, the one thing that I kept coming away with was the left-wing corporation of Facebook gets a report from a left-wing run institution, the FBI, and they check it with left-wing fact-checkers and then determine that it's misinformation and censor it. Now, obviously, we know in this case that it was not misinformation. It was very accurate, and stories are still being run. Investigations are are still underway, but he admits that they got a generic report, and then they interpret it through their biases to mean, oh, we need to go look at this story about the president's son. So essentially what we have is the U.S. government agency is colluding with a private corporation that acts as a free speech outlet to censor a story that broke out, or excuse me, broke about a family member of a, a candidate whose ideology most closely matches that of this particular agency. Uh, do you see the problem here? So it, it kind of seems to me that this only really happens with right-wing stories and articles. We saw this in the pandemic several times between, you know, ivermectin, masks, hydroxychloroquine, lockdowns, just all that stuff. It was all, you know, right-wingers or uh, Republicans would say, hey, maybe this isn't the best way to do this. Maybe we should try something else. And the left and their institutions would shut down speech like that. They would punish people and ban them off of social media for suggesting that just maybe the leftist institution was wrong. And the answer as to why they do this is because Democrats crave power. They believe Republicans are, are so dangerous and untrustworthy that they, they can't be given power or the country would, would fall into turmoil. Which is funny because the country is already in turmoil when Democrats have the power. Uh, I don't think I need to, to name them all, but inflation, you know, back in when we had trouble in Afghanistan pulling out. Uh, the current state of affairs with Russia, Ukraine, uh, and of course China and Taiwan. And so sometimes it, it kind of seems like they do it on purpose because if the left doesn't control the media, their ideas fall apart. Their ideas can't stand on their own because they're garbage. They wouldn't hold up to any kind of pressure. And they don't hold up to any kind of pressure, which is why they have to have a stranglehold on the media. All right, so moving on from there, if you'll remember... Several shows ago, I discussed the barbarism and ritualism marketed to and practiced on children by Children's Hospital in conjunction with the left, and I claimed that 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds were marketed and given gender-affirming care, such as hysterectomies, breast removal, uh, and the like. And people on Twitter kind of disagreed and said, uh, you know, even people on the right said, I don't think that, that there's that there's much evidence that this happens to people who aren't minors. You know, they're not doing it to children. And the next clip proves that that's, of course, wrong, and that I was right, which typically I, I enjoy being right, but not so much in this case. Uh, and fair warning, this clip is kind of long, so stick with me, please. Let's listen. Thank you for calling. 
Asheville Hospital. Your call may be recorded for quality assurance. I was calling uh, for information about gender-affirming hysterectomies. Okay, you said gender-affirming hysterectomy. I've been in touch with quite a few hospitals, um, and a lot of them, well, they said they won't do it for, for my 16-year-old, um, and then I was told that this hospital might, and I also saw it on your website. Um, so if you guys do uh, do it for a 16-year-old, I'll, I would be happy for you know to come for a consultation or whatever it takes let me get you over to the operator and i hate to transfer you i just i just need to want to know if if you guys do service that age you know before obviously before coming you know coming all the way for an in-person consult and going through all the paperwork well, and everything yeah it depends and each department is different some some departments cut off for 18 how old, how old is your patient 16 Okay. All right. So they're in the clear. I'll email the, um, Dr. Call and see what we can. Right. In the meantime, if you still want me to transfer you, I can still transfer you to surgery. Hi, I was calling um, because I'm looking for information about the gender affirming hysterectomies that you guys offer. Am I in the right place? Um, okay. Yes. Um. This is the clinic. Did you want to make an appointment? So I was just wondering. I've I've contacted quite a few hospitals already. Um, it seems like it's difficult to find one that does the operation um, for my sixteen year old, and I was told that you guys do do that. Um, so if you do it for sixteen year olds, then yes, I'd love to schedule um, an appointment, a consultation, whatever you need. If if you don't mind me asking, um, what is your child gender changing to, so I can point you to the right direction? Yeah, well, he transitioned to a male. You know, he already had the top surgery, um, and now we're looking for the hysterectomy. Okay, beautiful. So I'm gonna transfer you to the GYN nurse line. One of the nurses will give you a call to give you more information and to let you know the steps and the protocol that they do for that, okay? Okay. So so they do so they would do it um for at for that age? Yes. Okay, great. Is it a common procedure that you guys do for for that age? Yes, um, we have um, all different type of age groups that comes in for that. For the gender, for the hysterectomy. Yes, ma'am. Okay, just out of curiosity, do you know like what's the youngest age you would do it on? I'm not sure, but I have seen younger kids, and I'm not, you know, due to hip, I'm not allowed to say that, but I have <laughs> seen younger kids like, younger than your child. Get the gender affirming hysterectomy surgery. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. I really appreciate your help. So this video comes courtesy of Libs of TikTok, which I'm not sure that I mentioned. Um, And it's actually the woman who runs Libs of TikTok that is is calling here. And so in the video, you hear her call the hospital and ask for uh, a hysterectomy for her 16-year-old daughter. And the man that uh, she talks to first says, yeah, she's in the clear. Um, and transfers her to the clinic uh, to to surgery. And again, Libs of TikTok asks the clinic, you know, is that okay if a a sixteen year old does it? And 
they kind of tip your toe around it and ask, you know, what transition is a child going through? Uh, is it male to female, female to male? And she fills in the details, tells them the age, tells them the procedure. And uh, the woman says, yes, uh, they do and they have given hysterectomies to children 16. And actually even admits that they do and have given hysterectomies and gender-affirming care to children younger than 16 years old. So let me say it again, and y'all listen and take it seriously, and have no doubt in your mind, the left wants to and has butchered girls from the ages of 12 to 18. And if they had it their way, would do it much younger. They've admitted as much, claiming violence if you don't give them the care that they want to provide. They don't, if you don't give your children the care that they want to provide, the care. Of course, that air quotes around care. And again, I know I bring it up a lot, but imagine police are dispatched to a house, and in the house, they find a young girl's body in the basement of a, a doctor's home, or even not a doctor's home. But for this example, we'll, we'll keep it as a doctor. And on the table, they find the girl where her breasts have been surgically removed from her body. The skin on her forearm has been rolled down like a sleeve and severed from her body. And then from this flesh, a penis has been carved and sewn to her crotch. The surgeon would be arrested and given life in prison. And rightfully so. But because these types of surgeries are in an operating room, and some medical institution like WPATH says it's okay, we turn a blind eye. But that's not how morality works, and that's not okay. Something isn't bad because more people think it's bad than good, or something's not good because more people think it's good than bad. Something is bad because it's immoral. There are objective moral and immoral actions and ideas, and this is very obviously an objectively immoral stance to be had. That, of course, being that children, or really anybody, but specifically children, should be subjected to surgeries like this. As hard as videos like this are to listen to and as irritating as they are and sad they are, what they do is allow the left, through their own admission, show their true colors. Those, of course, being that they, they want to mutilate your young daughters under the guise of health care, and if you don't, they'll take your children from you. And I want to commend Libs of TikTok here. Their Twitter may be one of the most, if not the most important Twitter account uh, that's active at the moment. And don't let the left go near your children for any reason whatsoever. All right, so staying with the theme of the left indoctrinating your children, a preschool teacher in this next clip plots how to talk about pride with kids as young as four. Uh, let's just roll it. Okay, so I just had a great idea. I've been trying to figure out a way to introduce Pride Month to my students, my preschoolers, who are four and five-year-olds. Most of them are five now. Um, but, you know, we've done everything else. We've done um, Native American Heritage Month, Latinx Heritage Month, Black History Month, um, AAPI Month, last month, you know, Women's Month, March. Um, so I'm like, we have to do pride. Like, I'm bisexual. I don't know if I'm able to, like, say that to the students. I don't know. I probably won't. Anyway, here's my idea. Um, so I was talking to my co-teacher about this. So I can't take credit for all. Um, 
but I said, well, maybe we can just go around the room and have the kids tell us, like, who lives in their home. Um, like, some, because there's some people that have grandparents that live in the home, and then we can talk about, you know, how some people have two dads. So I was going to find a couple different books to represent some families, and we have, like, these kinds of books in our library, so I think it's okay. Like, I mean, obviously it's okay. We have the books. But it blows my mind that I have to, like, is this okay? Are the parents going to get mad? Because this is life. Like, I saw a thing, uh, and I shared it on Facebook. It said, pride is important because someone tonight is still thinking they're better off dead than being themselves. And that hit me because, like, shit, I was there. But since I got Rainbow Stitch, I'm going to say, like, oh, my goodness, guys, I got this new Squishmallow. And it says it's part of the Disney Pride Collection. Does anybody know what that means to have pride? And we can have a conversation about it. Because obviously pride is not just, you know, to be gay. But you can have pride in your work, your schoolwork, and like everything you do. Pride is not just being gay, but it's a big part of it, you know. So it's very important because it could save some of these kids' lives. And we do have a student with... um a trans mother, trans woman, um, and a non-binary parent, parent. So their family matters. They need to be represented. So that's my idea. So again, in the video, you heard the woman talk about her plot, how to talk about pride with her four and five-year-old preschoolers. She talks about ways in which she can bring it up, including talking about who's in each kid's home, uh, having the pride stitch and leading that into a conversation. And uh, she reads a bumper sticker post that really seems to stick with her. And we'll get into that here in a second. So according to this teacher, she has taught her kids three months of one topic per month, the different history months, Black History Month, Native American History Month, and quote Latinx History Month. And something I've noticed is none of this is U.S. history. None of it is, none of it's history that helps you understand conflict in the Middle East or just different, more important things. I mean, Black History Month makes sense because that's part of American history. It was the 60s. It was a transformative event. It led to the Civil Rights Movement, led to uh, the end of Jim Crow. And in the eyes of many people, the, the it was the final step towards the realization of the goal set out in the Constitution uh, in that all men are created equal, even if, you know, culture and society took a little bit longer to, to catch up. So these kids will inevitably know very little about uh, history. Uh, on top of this, at the end of, of admitting all this, she claims that pride is is up next. Logically. It's the only thing she hasn't covered. Uh, in the video, she plots uh, uh, how to teach four and five-year-olds about pride. And then she reads a bumper sticker slogan on why pride is important, claiming that pride's important because if you don't, affirm people in their delusions, they'll, they'll commit suicide, despite the fact that suicidal ideation, as we discussed in past episodes, is much higher among LGBT people than those not in that community. 
So it would seem to me that the solution, rather than affirmation and promotion and encouragement, would be therapy and guidance away from it. And then she goes on and wonders if she can explain bisexuality to four-year-olds. Well, of course not. That's that's ridiculous. And then she wonders why parents, or excuse me, if parents would be mad if she did. And the answer obviously is yes. Parents, when they send their kids to school, want them to learn about school stuff, not about the sexual preferences of, of their teachers. And then she claims pride can be more than LGBT. It can be, uh, you know, pride in your work or, uh, you know, the traditional use of the word pride. And this falls flat uh, to me, obviously. When people say that they have pride in being a part of the LGBT community and pride as a whole, that is being proud of a sin. It's being proud of a vice versus pride in your work. If you've done good work and worked hard, that's having pride in a virtue. So that's two completely different things. And again, like we've talked about before, they want to do this because indoctrination in children is easy. Children are malleable. And the left has acknowledged this in other videos. The woman from several shows ago claimed that children were more elastic and that adults didn't give her any respect because adults know better. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget to share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. If you want to get in touch with me for sponsorships or just a casual political discussion, shoot me an email at the.conservatory.podcast at protonmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out and follow our Twitter page at ConservatoryPod. That's ConservatoryPod on Twitter. There we post clips, articles, and documents referenced on the show, as well as new episode alerts and updates. Remember to read your Bible, exercise, and go outside. Thanks, guys.